Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Ratatouille opens soon in Epcot on October 1st, but what queuing systems will be part of that attraction experience? There has been a lot of talk recently about the future of FastPass, whether it was coming back or whether something instead, perhaps expensive, would come in its place. Recently, Disneyland Paris has opened up Disney Premier Access, which invites guests to purchase a FastPass option to go on popular attractions. This is somewhat in alignment with Shanghai and Hong Kong and what they have already done. Many in the Disney universe believe this is a sign for the future for Walt Disney World's FastPass and Disneyland's MaxPass. We look into the history of all this, what is involved here, and what's working and not working. We also look at something called the Standby Pass, which also suggests insights as to where the future is heading for those not buying an upcharge pass. From all this, we tie it to Disney's opening of the Galactic Star Cruiser in spring of 2022 and the announcement of a Genie app that would help guests plan their vacations and customize their park experience. We'll visit the intersection of all these efforts as we consider what really the future of the Disney Park experience may become. Be sure to subscribe to this post and to this podcast. We're at DisneyAtPlay.com and your podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that as well, wherever you're at, uh, so that you can get uh, notices when we have podcasts that uh, are forthcoming. And also be sure to check out Clubhouse Disney on our Disney at Work and Play Facebook page. We're going to ask you a little poll as to whether or what you think about the Fast Pass paid option. Let's start with a little bit of history. Let's, let's look at the Fast Pass timeline and what has gone on over, well, really these more than 20 years. In November of 1999, FastPass was introduced at Walt Disney World. Up until that time, most every guest that came into the park just simply stood in a line. That line may have seemed long uh, for its time. There were some lines that were hours long. When they first came out, the Haunted Mansion had three-hour lines when it first premiered at Disneyland back in 1969. And there were long... Uh, queues um, in those years since then. Uh, when FastPass was introduced, the idea was that you would go to an attraction, you would put in your ticket, it would print out a FastPass, you would then return between a time period uh, that was designated uh, to actually go into a lesser um, length line to get on the attraction much uh, much quicker, hence the title Fast Pass. Let me just tell you, the word fast is not a word that Disney has, um, I think Disney wish it had never introduced the word fast. In fact, you're going to see as we roll further, you don't see the word fast moving uh, toward new options that we're going to discuss today. I remember in those early years, uh, we had a system down where we easily could spend a day and get six, seven, eight fast passes, maybe even more. We had a system whereby you didn't go on right to the attraction when that hour or that moment it was available. No, rather we went to the next attraction we wanted to fast pass, got a fast pass for that, then went back and rode the attraction uh, that we had the fast pass to. We had a whole science and system and oh, my kids and I, we were running from one end to the park to get uh, fast passes and to get in line and so forth. And it was quite a system. Uh, not long after that, in fact, just a month later, It's a Small World Holiday started utilizing fast pass at Disneyland. And uh, for many years, that was really the system, practically 14 years. It went on uh, doing the traditional fast pass. And then my Magic Plus was announced, and the idea of Magic Bands, 
uh, My Disney Experience and PhotoPass Memory Maker at Walt Disney World was launched. And with that, in June of 2014, FastPass Plus was rolled out at Walt Disney World. Instead of going out and getting ticketed uh, fast passes, you had an app, the My Disney Experience, and you went there and you made reservations in advance. If you stayed on hotel property, you could get those three fast passes available to you. If you used those three fast passes and there were more fast passes available, you could, you could um, get more fast passes after that. But um, in June of 2014, the FastPass Plus system rolled out at Walt Disney World. And I think this was the beginning of the problem. I don't think FastPass was as big an issue. But when FastPass Plus rolled out, then that just created a big bunch of people holding FastPasses in order uh, to uh, accommodate everybody wanting three fast passes, they started to include attractions that really didn't need fast passes, like Mickey's Filler Magic um, or Monster Incorporated Laugh Floor. And Disney Character Mean Greets also ended up having fast pass. So you ended up having a system where you just had. Um, a gazillion fast passes as I go back through it I mean if you really think about it and then you had it ended up having tiers there was like one two three oh there were like 25 attractions in the Magic Kingdom that have fast pass in Epcot and the studios you ended up having different tiers well actually you had the same thing in Animal Kingdom altogether you had 40 rides between the four parks 19 shows um, umpteen character meet and greets it was just it's 65 Fast Pass Plus possibilities among the four parks. And this thing just got bigger and bigger. Then something interesting happened in 2016. And a lot of people don't connect this event that happened during this year with what was going on uh, with Fast Pass. But Disney, or Walt Disney World in particular, um, rolled out two different kinds of programs. Early morning magic, where an hour or hour and a half before the park opened, you could get into a special land at the Magic Kingdom, have a little breakfast, enjoy a bunch of attractions. And then they tried also Disney After Hours, which created a larger period of time where you could go in and enjoy attractions throughout the park and so forth. Now, a lot of people during this time period kind of started to say, gee, it seems to me like Disney's trying to upcharge everything around us. In fact, money.com quoted Theme Park Insider and WDW Magic at the time. I mean, this was back in six, 2016. Here's a couple of quotes. Quote, I remember a time when I would get excited about Disney news, and now it just infuriates me. It seems like the majority of news is either upcharge events, attraction closings, or delay. Here's what another person said. Quote, I'm the type of person who's interested in and willing to pay for upcharge experiences with exclusive offerings. However, this is outrageously expensive, and there is no way I would consider it. I wish... Everyone felt exactly like that because I think it would have put a stop to some of this activity. But unfortunately, many of you went for it. You paid the extra premium. And if you really think about some of the some of the some of the upcharge prices I'm going to talk about a little later, uh, you were paying for a lot for that early morning magic uh, or for that Disney after hours. In June of 2016, something else happened. Shanghai Disney opened. And with it, they actually opened up not FastPass locations at each of the attractions utilizing FastPass. Rather than that, they had kiosks set aside in, it was pretty much one in every given land and I think two in Fantasyland. And you could go and it was kind of like, um, There'd be uh, a host or hostess there to help you. There would be uh, a digital listing of how long 
attractions, maybe it wasn't digital, maybe it was manual, but a listing of how long wait times were uh, throughout the park and you could get certain fast passes. So for instance, there was near one near Peter Pan and another near um, a Seven Dwarfs mine train. But what happened in the wake of that is that Skullgris started getting those fast passes, turning around to the front of the park or wherever they could, and they started to sell those fast passes. And unfortunately, people bought it. So this became a big issue at Shanghai Disney. And by the March of 2017, Shanghai Disney introduced something called the Disney Premier Access, which basically said, hey, we'll sell you that fast pass. And they were able with that to command the market price. They didn't make it too big a price because that what they really wanted to do was put scalpers out of business. But if anybody was going to make money off that fast pass, it was going to be Disney, not scalp scalpers. And so Disney introduced the Disney Premier um, Access. Also, later in that same year, July 2017, Disneyland rolled out Max Pass. Now. At Disneyland, they had been using FastPass for many, many years, and they continued to use it up until closing. But this MaxPass was a little different. What it simply did was allow you on your um, My Disney Experience app, or whatever the Disneyland app was called, to have an opportunity to make your FastPasses digitally on the system. And uh, it just made it real easy. And it gave you a, re a time for you to return. But instead of returning at that time or before returning at that time, running across the, the park to grab your next fast pass, it allowed you to get your next fast, uh, fast pass, so to speak. And so it digitally saved time. It wasn't a whole lot of money. I think it was $15 initially. I think it was 20. By the time the park closed, it was included to annual pass holders, this was a really great idea. I thought this was one of the best things Disney did and it didn't exclude people who wanted to have a, um, you know, wanted to just do traditional fast pass. Um, it just allowed a, a convenience to it. Two years later, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens at Disneyland. It wasn't rise that opened at that time all it was was millennium falcon smugglers run and the rest of the black spire outpost but anticipating so many people coming to disneyland they chose to introduce an idea of a virtual pass which says you'll get into disneyland but you need to have a reservation in order to get into star wars galaxy's edge and they limited your time period in that land to about three hours. Now, in truth, that virtual pass didn't last through the summer. I'm not even sure it lasted much longer than a month, but it did create this idea that we could monitor the flow or the number of people in a particular area through a virtual pass. Later on in December, 2019, a virtual pass was introduced for Rise of the Resistance. Now, I remember being there early in the morning, and that was, I can't remember, it was like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. They were, they were giving out the, the um, uh, maybe it was as late as 7, but I remember being dark, and we're all huddled out there in the park, and you had to be in the park in order to get that virtual pass, and some won, and many lost and they were dispensing this virtual pass. And let me just say that a lot of people, and I don't blame them because there were many people who had, you know, made plans to come out to Walt Disney World to do this. They had made, a, um, they had bought their tickets. They had uh, made fast passes for the day and everything else that they had planned on doing. And then they got there wanting to do Rise of the Resistance and they didn't get the virtual pass. And that made people really, really frustrated. Remember that because that's going to play a little bit when we get back to Ratatouille in a few minutes. Well, you'll recall that not a whole lot longer, 
we went into COVID and the park shut down. Fast forward, and a few months later, Walt Disney World, as well as Shanghai Disney Resort, would reopen in July of 2020. But when they do, FastPass is no longer available, even though at Shanghai, they're still using the Premier Access Pass. I should also mention that during the same period prior to COVID, Hong Kong Disney had also introduced its own Premier Style Pass with its own system of payment. Now, a few months after the park reopens, hope comes alive for Disneyland Paris, and they announce in October of 2020 something called the Standby Pass, which is intended to reduce the number of people waiting in line for the standard queue going into any attraction. Mind you, uh, FastPass has already been removed or made obsolete at Disneyland Paris, but they announced this. The only problem is Disneyland Paris has this start and stop kind of uh, situation that goes on for several months because of COVID. So this whole standby pass thing, which we're going to go into in a few minutes, really kind of didn't get a lot of attention. In May, Disneyland Resort reopens, but it reopens with no Max Pass, no Fast Pass, and not even an annual pass program. I think that ties into everything we're talking about. And then finally, in July of, th of this year, it was announced that Disneyland Paris would provide a Disney Premier Pass. So that brings us up to the present. We have gone through Fast Passes and Premier Passes and um, Standby Passes and Virtual Passes and Max Passes. We've gone through this whole period of time and now we stand about two months out from Ratatouille opening on the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. This is going to be followed by the Galactic Star Cruiser, which just the other day was announced that it would open in spring of 2022. What's yet to be announced is a new annual pass program for Walt Disney World, or at least the resumption of annual pass sales. Also, not yet an, uh, announced formally or released finally, is this thing called the Disney Genie program at Walt Disney World. And then over at Disneyland, we have yet to hear what a new annual pass program is going to look like for them although we have heard a lot in terms of having many tiers and options. That kind of gives you a sense of the history over the last 20 plus years of all of this. I want to talk a little bit about the Disneyland Paris app and, and what is happening there um, with Disney Premier Access. Um, much of what is going on is a lot of Disney speak. When you go to Disneyland Paris's website, you see that their app is really emphasized with Magic Made Mobile, and your mobile is your magic wand, and tailor your day to perfection and make all your dreams come true. I mention that because a lot of this language, this Disney speak going on, sounds a little bit like Genie and where what that is supposed to be when it comes out. I'll cover that in a few more minutes. But we do know the guests need to download the app. They get to place a star around what they'd like to do. You kind of create your own adventure with a wish list. You can speed through rides with real-time real time queuing time. Talk about that heart will show up on attractions where there's a low queue um, for the things that you had placed the star around. So it'll show a heart saying, hey, the queue is really low here, go over here. So it's trying to move guests in the direction, uh, kind of balancing out the flow 
of guests throughout all the attractions and rides. And of course, you're getting information on attractions and beyond, uh, food and beverage, character meet and greets or appearances, hotel and so forth. Um, and they're assuring you that you're never gonna get lost again as long as you're on the app. They'll tell you where to go, where to walk, as if you didn't know where to go at Disneyland Paris. Then they introduce this thing called a Disney Premier Pass. Here they've said, skip the regular queue at some of our most popular attractions thanks to the Disney Premier Access Fastlane. From eight euros to 15 euros per person, which roughly, depending on exchange rates, is about nine to $15 per attraction limited availability. That availability is for attractions like Big Thunder Mountain, Peter Pan's Flight, uh, Buzz Lightyear Laser Blast, Star Wars Hyperspace Mountain, Star Tours The Adventures Continue, The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, Autopia, and Ratatouille The Adventure. Actually, only two of those are at the Walt Disney Studios Paris. The others are in their main Magic Kingdom style park. By the way, no character meter greets nor entertainment shows are listed in all this, uh, like you see with all Disney Fast Passes. It's only rides. Also, no Toy Story Land attractions, like RC Racer was listed. Neither was Crush's Go Coaster or Indiana Jones and the Temple of Peril. So getting out the gate, they've kind of chosen that these, um, these attractions, which really do not um, accommodate a lot of people, they're like Dumbo rides. They, you can only get so many on at a time. And so they have not chosen to use a Disney Premier Pass for this. In utilizing this, they have said, purchasing a Disney Premier Pass gives you fast access to the attraction you choose, but does not guarantee immediate access. I'm surprised they use the word fast even, but they are making very clear, you are not getting immediate pass access. You are not just walking on necessarily because you have spent that money for that pass. They're inviting you to go to the Disney account, create one, link your ticket pass or hotel tickets package. Do the, They're suggesting doing that before you go in. Once you're in the Disney parks, choose an attraction and select the guests that you want to ride. You'll be offered a time slot depending on availability. So this is a little bit like mobile ordering. It's going to tell you what time. Well, I'm actually FastPass was that way electronically at Walt Disney World. After you've paid, head to the dedicated line of the attraction during your allocated time slot and present your QR codes that are available in the My Disney Premier Access section of the app. If you don't have a smartphone or a Disney account, don't worry, you can still purchase Disney Premier Access at City Hall in Disneyland Park or studio services at the Walt Disney Studios Park. You have to be in the park, the ticket has to be activated and you to secure or buy your passes. It's a little bit like MaxPass. Remember, MaxPass didn't work until you actually entered the gates of Disneyland. You may buy a maximum of three Disney Premier, pa Premier Accesses for each attraction per guest per day, and up to 12 Disney Premier Access for one attraction, one time slot at a time, depending on upon, depending upon availability. What I think that really all means is that you can have up to three attractions that you can buy during the day. And for each of those, you can buy up to 12 Disney um, Premier Accesses for that one uh, attraction and time slot. So if you got a big family, they're giving you plenty of uh, space to include all of them. Of course they're going to. It's more money, right? And there are a limited number of Disney Premier Access available for each time slot. That's an important thing. They're not saying this is all going to be available anytime during the day. There's only so many. Um, and then finally, you can only buy Disney Premier Access for one attraction at a time. To buy for another attraction, simply start another purchase and select the attraction you want to ride to see if there are any time slots available. So there's uh, some really important details that I think are important to play out here because I think when this, and by the way, I hope I'm not, this isn't a spoiler alert, but believe me, fast passes are not coming back to Walt Disney World 
not in my stretch of the imagination. This is the kind of thing that's going to happen, but it could happen in a slightly different form. And for that, still for that reason, I wanted to cover the rules of this premiere access so that you could get the best sense of it that that was possible. By the way, um, they kind of call it different things at different parks. Um, at Hong Kong, it's Priority Special Pass. Um, at Shanghai Disney, it's called Premier Pass, not Premier Access. Um, at both of those parks, you can, um, well, at Shanghai, you can buy an individual. Uh, so let's just say I want to do Tron. Tron is what matters. Uh, to me, I don't care about the other attractions. So you could pay um, for an individual attraction, which comes out to roughly, again, with the exchange rate that varies, about $27 when I when I did the exchange rate, um, up to a package of eight for 152 which is a value compared to buying a $27 individual. Uh, right, so you see all that is kind of messy. Um, also, at Hong Kong, they're doing a couple of different packages, $32 for a pack of three. Um, a pack of eight is $51. And, they and those packs determine there are certain attractions available in in eight that aren't available in three and so forth. So there's a lot of playing around with these packages. Again, this is a little reminiscent of buying the Disney coupon books back in the day, except that while you could buy just uh, a pass to enter the park without going on any attractions, that was a couple of bucks compared to over a hundred uh, to get into the park. So to buy, to spend, over a hundred to get in the park and now you're spending now you're going to spend 152 for a package of eight um you know uh, passes that just seems that seems over the top by the way they have discounted i think in the hong kong one maybe shanghai too um the pricing could vary depending on uh on or off uh days and also for those guests staying in the resort hotels, they could provide um, uh, a discounted price. So there's a lot of different ways in which they can, they can do this and how they might bundle it, how they might discount it, how they might change the price depending on the time of year. All of these experiences suggest what could inevitably happen uh, as a result of this. Now, um, what is it going to look like at Walt Disney World? Well, um, before I get to that, let's just talk about a couple more things. There was something else introduced in Disneyland Paris that at the time, because it was not even certain that the parks would open in Paris, it kind of got pushed under the rug, but it's still actively happening. And I think this is important to know. It's called the standby pass. To minimize the time you spend in the queue during certain periods of the day and to ensure, say, physical distancing, you will need to reserve a standby pass to enjoy some of our most popular attractions. It's easy, it's free, and it helps you enjoy more time exploring the Disney parks. This is the problem though. The standby pass service will only be activated during certain periods of the day in order to help reduce certain wait times for certain attractions. You can still queue for these attractions without a standby pass at the beginning of the end of the day. Times may vary. So what they're kind of saying to this is, okay, it may start, the day may start out without utilizing standby passes. But as we see more and more and more people coming in, then we're going to tell people, hey, you got to go get a standby pass. This has created chaos because people have come to something like uh, the Ratatouille attraction or Crush's Coaster and they get there and now they're being told at the entrance, hey, go to your app and make a standby pass. And so all these people are standing by and those trying to get onto it that have the 
access, can't get by, and the premiere. It's just a lot of chaos that I have seen um, being um, put online and social media. You can only reserve one standby pass at a time from five minutes after entering the Disney parks, assuming that standby passes are being utilized at that time. And when your allocated time slot has become, you may reserve a standby pass for another attraction. Okay. It's not possible to cancel or transfer the standby pass. Okay. And to manage your standby passes easily during the day, you can link all the ticket passes for each member of your group to a single Disney account. Here's the problem with this is that at some point they run out of standby passes if it is a really busy day. Now, technically, theoretically, maybe at the end of the day, they'll free up and not require a standby pass and you can get in line at the end of the day. But you'll remember when Flight of Passage reopened, they started doing something that really, I can't remember Walt Disney World ever doing before. The rule has always been, as long as you get in before the official closing time of the park, you were able to get into that attraction. Even if the line was an hour and a half long, you still were able to get on that attraction. But then they started with Flight of Passage cutting people off an hour or two hours or some period of time before closing and saying, we're not accepting anybody. This became a huge problem for guests who thought that they could come toward the end of the day and get into a lesser line. I haven't seen that replay since reopening the parks last July. But this standby pass kind of has the potential of doing the same thing. Now, you may also say, well, standby pass then sounds like the virtual pass that we got to do with, with um, Rise of the Resistance. In some ways, it is a little bit like that. I guess my concern with the standby pass is that it could be it could create a whole nother headache for guests who think, well, okay, I can't, I can't go on that ride or attraction, or I don't want to pay that amount, but I will go to a standby pass. And do and and if I see that I can't get a standby pass, can I still buy the premier pass, which has made me resent the premier passes all the more, although at least I finally got on. So there are just a lot of issues with this standby pass. Then we have Disney Genie, and I just got to talk about that for a few minutes, and then I'll get come back to what's going to happen with Ratatouille. Originally, Disney Genie was set to debut in late 2020, so we're nearly, well, we're, at, we're a good half a year behind in any kind of debut, and I don't think it's going to happen before the end of the year. Maybe by October 1st. I doubt it from what I've kind of heard through the grapevine a lot of people haven't heard much about it and that's an interesting note in and of itself but the idea of the genie was it was going to identify your interest segments are you kind of a princess person are you kind of a thrill seeker you really like culinary opportunities and they were going to project and help you plan out the ideal day for you customizing it to your situation which sounds really actually like a good thing it would show you when buses and boats were available for transportation. It would offer you an optimal view of how to best tackle your day. Why don't you go on this attraction first and then later that attraction, which Disney has never really done in terms of an app. So that was kind of cool. It would offer real-time updates um, providing that. So again, kind of changing and saying, okay, we said to do these three things in this order, but now we're telling you swap um, attraction two and three would be kind of at the heart of this. It showed a lowest forecast weight. In other words, at this time of day, we think it will be this much. Um, the plans were intended to be flexible. It was going to have certain features that were still available through a travel agent. And at the time it was announced, it said it would offer a fast pass plus option. But that was way back at D23. And so many things have changed. One of those things has to do 
with the individual who is head of digital and technology for Disney Parks at the executive level. That was Tilak Mandari. And he has been talking about all sorts of really interesting technology, which I assume was going to include Genie and all these other kinds of things. In fact, Tilak, I think, was one who mentioned that in five weeks they had to create a reservation system for Walt Disney World, which was magnificently accomplished, really, all things considered. What most people haven't noticed is that Tilak left Disney at the beginning of July. He has now taken on a, an executive role for MGM Resorts, their casino hotel business, which I'm sorry to say is a step down. So what's happening technology-wise and will these things come as fast as we think they will? Maybe, maybe not. But let's consider this issue of Ratatouille and what's involved there. Now, when I mention this, we all know that Ratatouille is going to premiere on October 1st. Now, there's a couple of ways that they could manage the queuing system for Ratatouille. They could just do something like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway currently. It's all standby and you get in line and it's handling um, everybody via standby line. And maybe that will be okay. I mean, Mickey and Minnie's manages to do that. And I've been on that attraction at times uh, right at the beginning of the day or right at the end of the day with only a 15 minute wait. So that is a doable possibility maybe another possibility is that it could go do what it did for rise we're going to introduce a virtual queue fortunately uh, rise went from a get to the park uh, before the dawn of the day and make a make that reservation now it's gone to 7 a.m from wherever you are uh, which is a lot more doable and, uh, and then a refresh at one o'clock for those who didn't get a chance to get a reservation earlier. Um, that could happen for this attraction. I would expect that to be announced soon. And interestingly, nothing has been announced for how this attraction is going to handle all of its cues. But my feeling is this is probably not the option. And I say it's not the option because, well, I think that um, a lot of people were really upset with not being able to get uh, a virtual um, pass to come back to Rise. And so to do this at Epcot as well, I think is going to make the natives and everybody not very happy. So I really don't think that option is what's going to take place. So what have we mentioned? We've said no queue, no, just standby. We've mentioned the virtual queue. I suppose fast passes could come back but FastPass Plus, as it was previous, gave hotel guests an option to book in advance. Uh, wasn't that three months in advance, as I recall? Um, and we have passed that point. In fact, what's really interesting is that Tuesday, August 3rd, will be exactly 60 days from when that attraction is opening. So is that what's going to happen here? A fourth option is this. Sometime very soon and possibly even as early as Tuesday, August 3rd, Disney's going to announce a premiere option. And if you want to not be in the standby line like it is, for Mickey and Minnie's, then you're going to have to you're going to have to purchase a prem, a premier pass, 
And I would say that pass is going to be somewhere in the $15 to $20 range. Now, honestly, uh, I have to say that $15, $20 for me is not a big deal. $15, $20, if I was bringing my whole family, you know, spouse and six kids, you know, that I originally had, that would be a big deal to me, getting everybody on in a premier pass. I have a feeling some of you are feeling pretty much the same way. Maybe as a single rider, I'd be okay. But having to bring in a family of four or five, boy, it gets a little bit more expensive. And so that becomes a frustration. Think about Ratatouille's plan of action and also consider that the other day it was announced that the Galactic Star Cruiser was going to open in spring of 22, which means that probably six months out, I would think that they're going to start taking reservations. Now, one of the features that has always been mentioned as part of this two-night, two-day experience is that you would be shuttled courtesy of the Black Spire Outpost to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, where you would have an opportunity to experience that land. Um, and they talked about some scavenger hunt style things and being able to see how the story connects between the Star Cruiser and Galaxy's Edge, even when you're on attractions like Rise. Well, all I know is my guess is they're charging a boatload of money for that experience on the Star Cruiser. And for them to say, ah, yeah, but you still have to get up at 7 a.m. and make a, a virtual pass to go on Rise, that ain't gonna stick. I don't think that's going to happen at all. Instead, I think that the resort experience on the Star Cruiser will include a priority pass as part of the package of staying in this premier hotel experience and that you're not going to have to pay to go on Rise or even on Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. I think that's going to be included, which then brings us up to, okay, how how does this factor into Disney Resort guests? We know that a whole lot of things have been cut. One of the reasons you stayed on property was that you were able to get fast passes ahead of us annual pass holders or anybody else in the universe if you were staying on Disney property. That was a big advantage. You could get on, on Seven Dwarfs uh, Mine Train or on Flight of Passage you were able to secure those fast passes. Well, there haven't been any fast passes in the last year. And then a number of months ago, they announced, uh, yeah, that that uh, Magical Express thing coming from the airport, taking you for free out to the resort. Yeah, that's going away too. And then you add the fact that there hasn't been dining plan offered, although I am pretty certain that is actually coming back. And that's kind of insider knowledge on my point. On my part, I don't think it's coming back soon, but I do think that is going to eventually come back. Long and short is, is they need to start offering some value because what's gone on here is Disney has not operated all of its hotel rooms. They have limited the number of rooms available. And in limiting the number of rooms available, it has allowed them to push the price of those rooms to a pretty high margin. And that's worked successfully for them, but now they gotta open up the rest of the rooms and they gotta get people to buy in paying a more premium price for those hotel rooms. How do they do that? In my view, that's where the priority pass is going to come in and play. It is entirely possible that they may offer an option that says, hey, you stay at a Disney resort experience that is um, with a deluxe resort or a villa. You remember that just days ago they announced special nights for those guests. Well, why not provide 
premier passes, uh, say three premier passes for them during their stay. Um, those staying in a moderate resort, um, Coronado Springs or Caribbean Beach, will offer you two. Um, staying at Swan and Dolphin, you get two as well, maybe. And those of you at Pop Century, All Star, and etc., you maybe get one. Or maybe they simply give you a discount to buy those. There's all sorts of ways that Disney could play this. But there's another factor to be considered here as well, is it's not just about appealing to those things on property. It's also appealing to annual pass holders. Now, sales has been suspended for annual passes at, um, at Walt Disney World, and they were completely refunded and done away with at, um, at um, Disneyland. But the one thing they have said is we're looking at options. We're looking to provide more um, uh, different tiers and different possibilities. Could it be that you get a certain number of free premier passes per visit, per, per month, or whatever it may be, if you are um, at certain levels of the annual pass. And in fact, is it possible that that could allow them to um, keep the prices for, say, a gold annual pass to what it is right now, but a gold premier pass now offers you additional um, premier passes and uh, there's ways of creating additional options using the Premier Pass system. I can sense that you see where this is all going to. And frankly, it's not very good news when it's kind of spelled out this way. It sounds like you're going to end up paying more for the previous experiences you were already getting for free. And I can't deny that. But the truth of the matter is, is that's how the market works. And back then, when you were buying, that early morning breakfast or that extra long stay over at night, Disney was saying, hey, people are willing to pay extra to go on rides and attractions and the Mickey Not-So-Scary Halloween and the Very Merry Party was a little bit of that too, although they added a lot of extras to that. But Disney's been seeing that there is a group of people willing to pay an additional market price for that kind of annual pass. They also see that that kind of thing has been happening for some time at Universal. Universal and their um, uh, pass system actually came after FastPass at Disney. And it was originally free, but it wasn't too many years after that, if it was even that long, before Universal said, eh, you know what, we're gonna charge for that. And, uh, and now they do. Nobody seems to balk against it. And in fact, many take advantage of it. Uh, they certainly allow certain benefits of coming in early to the park. If you're staying at premium resort hotels and so forth, you can see that these same things may be playing out um, at Disney as well. Can I offer you some positive news in the middle of all this? I have been spending time looking at Disneyland Paris's site during the middle of their day, as well as Shanghai Disney's and Hong Kong Disneyland's park. Mind you, they're still impacted by COVID as well. But uh, at Disneyland Paris, the summer months are everything. This is when they really have most of their traffic and their business and so forth. And they have released these programs. And in fact, with Hong Kong and Shanghai, they've been happening for some time. And I have to tell you, I don't think that many people take advantage of them like it was rolled out with FastPass Plus where everyone was holding on to three fast passes. If you really look at it, and if you really did some smart work to show up as early as you can and stay toward the end, you really can 
pretty well, you know, get through the day without having to pay a premium uh, to go on most of the attractions. And maybe it's kind of nice when a new attraction comes out to take a little extra money and pay the premium so you don't miss out on that particular attraction. But <clears throat> notwithstanding, don't panic too soon. I think that the good news is, is I think those options of, of still, you know, looking for those times a year when not so many people are in the park or going on the attraction at times when there aren't as many people in the park. I think those options are still out there. Don't miss me. Disney still wants to put as many people in the park as they can. That's really not going to change. They just want to make more money per person doing it. And they probably will succeed in that as they move forward. But again, the market plays out and there are a lot of people who are not willing to pay that kind of money. In fact, for that matter, make sure you go out to, uh, to our uh, Facebook page, to uh, Clubhouse Disney. And the link is, by the way, on uh, our disneyatplay.com post that is attached with this and has the timeline and everything go visit clubhouse disney and just tell us in our little poll what are you going to do would you be willing if need be if the line was long enough would you be willing to buy a premiere pass in order to go on a new attraction or a favorite attraction that had a very long line attached to it that ends it for today with this post and podcast. We thank you for joining us here at Disney at Play. Be sure to check out all our offerings, including our YouTube page, J. Jeff Cobra. Make sure you subscribe to that. If you get a chance, please go to your own provider and offer a positive uh, rating and even a comment if possible. That really helps uh, the littlest podcast that could in moving forward. Also check out our Patreon group, uh, the Disney Wayfinder Society, where you're going to find lots of great um, interactive tools as you help support this podcast. Again, thank you for being a part. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with others. As we always say, in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage at Tokyo Disney Sea, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.